Kia ora, tēnā katoa. Welcome to Airman's Podcast, episode 357. Today is Friday, October 1st, 2021. So, why on earth would I pick today of all days to suddenly resume podcasting? Well, that's because obviously Roger Green asked me to. There's actually a bit of a joke there because he mentioned, he made a um, funny remark in a comment on my blog about podcasting. And the truth is, I actually recorded an episode yesterday, but I wasn't happy with it, as has happened so many times over the years, that I just decided I'd skip over it altogether and redo it, as has also happened many times over the years. So here we are. There's a lot that's been going on with me over the past few months since I last recorded, and not all of it's been good. In fact, a lot of it's been very unpleasant indeed, but there's been a lot of good stuff that's happened too. So my goal today is basically just to update everything that's been going on as best I can, at least in a greatest hits sort of fashion, and then going forward, you see what I did there, I'm talking about continuing, Going forward, I'll fill in some of the details about some of the specifics in future episodes. So that's where we're at. Now, the main thing that I should talk about first, though, is what's going on in New Zealand. And we've we had an outbreak of the Delta variant in Auckland the end of August, or toward the end of August. And that resulted in the entire country going under a level four lockdown, which is basically you stay at home. You don't go anywhere unless you are going to the supermarket, uh, chemist, or healthcare, you know, that sort of thing. But you can't go just anywhere, and you have to exercise close to your house. You're not allowed to drive distances to do exercise. You can't socialize with anybody outside of your household. It's very strict. When they say lockdown, they mean lockdown. And yes, it is enforced by the police, and they always have the option of using the New Zealand Defense Force, should that be required, but it actually never has been, at least not yet. So that was level four, and um, there were cases in Auckland and in Wellington because people who had been in Auckland over the the weekend where it got loose um, went back to Wellington. And um, But those cases were very confined. They were restricted to those people exposed in their immediate household contacts, and the number of cases dwindled quickly, and they're all now recovered. That hasn't happened in Auckland. It's continued to have experience new outbreaks, or new infections, rather, new positive cases as time's gone on. Now, most of New Zealand was at level four, which is the strongest lockdown, for only a short time. But Auckland was at level four lockdown for five weeks. We shifted fairly quickly to level three, which I sometimes call lockdown light, because we can do click and collect from various stores. We can uh, do drive-through takeaways or pick up as long as it's contactless. In other words, there's usually, usually stay outside the building. They put it on the table, you pick it up and walk away and you keep two meters from other people, wear a mask, all that sort of stuff. And so we were at that for a week or two. I can't remember now. And Auckland only just recently went to level three. So they're still basically under lockdown, whereas the rest of New Zealand has since moved to level two, which is nearly the normal that we had for such a very long time. We still have to wear masks inside of places like supermarkets, and um, the number of people who can attend weddings and funerals is severely limited. Um, Number of people who can go into bars is severely limited, or restaurants or cafes, and you have to be seated two meters apart. 
so it's it's still there's still heavy restrictions, but it's close enough to normal that you can just sort of get on with doing things. Auckland, however, still hasn't experienced that because it continues to have new cases popping up. There were 45 the other day. And when that was announced, this is after a day of teens, you know, 12 and 13, things like that. When 45 were announced, my jaw literally dropped. And I can't remember the, a time that that has ever happened or has happened in a long time anyway, watching the daily news conference about COVID. So we all expect that Auckland will remain at level three for another week, at least. And I don't know if that means that that the rest of New Zealand will stay at level two or if we'll be allowed to go down. I think we'll stay at level two, or at least the North Island will, because we have close contact. I mean, we, uh, Auckland is in the North Island, obviously. And if somebody gets out of uh, Auckland, as has happened from time to time, they could theoretically infect us first. But there's no guarantees because people have flown to the South Island and when they're not allowed to, and they've been caught when that happens. But the, the, it's beside the point because if they go somewhere else and they are positive, they will infect others because the COVID variant is, the uh, Delta variant rather, is so infectious. So nobody knows what's going to happen. The two conservative op opposition parties are... Um, saying all kinds of nonsense about how they're going to change things. And the um, the neoconservative ACT Party, so-called, it's not really a party, but anyway, um, wants to throw open the borders right now and come what may, because right-wing parties, generally speaking, are not very good at preserving life. They're good at preserving profits. And that's certainly all that the ACT Party cares about, in my opinion. But that's a whole different topic for another day. Since when lockdown began, the number of people getting uh, the COVID va vaccinations skyrocketed. At the time, it was a very small percentage of people who had had even one jab. But now, at this stage, there are now 46% of the New Zealand population is fully vaccinated. That's 1.9 million people. And 78% have had their first dose. I presume that includes the first number, I don't really know. Um, the uh, Ministry of Health has, has put a nice, um, succinct, uh, I don't know what you call it, headline numbers, I guess, on their webpage. So you don't have to read through the full breakdown if you don't want to. But the government is determined that we should get to 90%, more high 90% tile of the population vaccinated. And the reason for that is that if it's 80 or less, there will be thousands of people hospitalized. There, will, there could be thousands of deaths, and it's just too high a price to pay. So if they can get to the 90, 90, upper 90 percentages of people vaccinated, then it will become more like the uh, seasonal flu in terms of deaths and, and hospitalizations. The health system will not be overwhelmed as it would be at a lower vaccination rate. That's what the modeling shows, and, and it seems perfectly plausible to me that they're correct, but the truth is nobody really knows because we've never been here before, so who knows what the, what the true story is, except that all you have to do is look at states like Florida, for instance, and see how horrible the situation is when, there's no, when there have been no controls put in place to stop the spread of Delta. So overall, <laughs> overall, we're in a much better state here than pretty much any other country, certainly better than Australia, 
absolutely better than the red states in the US, better than the UK. We're in a much stronger position if we can get our vaccination rates up. The problem is that we'll never get to the upper 97% even of the eligible population. And that's because there's a certain percentage who cannot get vaccinated for whatever reason, either because they're ineligible because they're too young or because they have, have some sort of health condition that means they can't be vaccinated. And then, of course, there are the nincompoops who just refuse to get vaccinated. They know better. They, they either believe false information or they're just whatever, selfish. I don't know. And so they choose not to get vaccinated. I doubt that the percentage here of people like that is anywhere near what it is in southern U.S. states or in um, Australia. But we don't know yet because we're not there. But we do know that as the vaccination rates get over 80%, then we start running into problems getting people motivated to go get vaccinated. And what the government is saying is telling people, well, look, if you want more freedoms, we need more people vaccinated. There is talk that in the future, only people who are vaccinated will be allowed to attend large events like concerts, uh, sporting events, you know, the sort of, sorts of places where there may be tens of thousands of people. And for good reason, because with Delta so, uh, so infectious, it could be possible to have thousands and thousands of people infected in one event. And so I think something like that is likely, to be honest. And the, the, whole, the two things that are holding that up are we don't have enough people fully vaccinated yet. And second, that we don't have any sort of vaccine passport developed yet. There will be one. It's, they're hoping to have it ready to go by the end of the year. So, you know, fingers crossed that that comes about. But we'll, we'll see. I'm sure I'll be talking about that in the future. But the main thing is that there's still Delta in the community in Auckland. And the rest of us are, are seem to be perfectly safe. But there, there was an irony to this story. And I'll put... In the show notes, I'll put links to my various blog posts about all of this stuff and also about modeling for the, um, the vaccination rates and so on. The irony in this is that the day that lockdown was announced was the same day I went and got my second and final COVID jab. I was driving to the place to get my, vaccination, my second vaccination when I heard on the radio that there was a case of Delta identified in Auckland. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And of course it did. They announced, by the time I got home, they announced on TV that the um, country was going under level four lockdown at 11.59 p.m. that night. And so we did. And uh, so that's what set all of this off. But it wasn't all bad because by the time I was ready to go out in public again, it had been two weeks since my second jab, which means that my vaccine was considered fully operational or <laughs> whatever they call it. So it wasn't all bad. And this particular lockdown was far easier on me than it was last year, partly because it's, it was dramatically shorter, but also because I'm in a much different space, headspace, than I was uh, last year. Because last year, the lockdown began only six months after Nigel died. And so, you know, this was, this began close to two years after he died. So it, it was a completely different timing for me. And so I was in a different headspace, which actually brings me to my next topic about what's been going on with me over the past several months. When in my last episode, I talked about how I'd gone through a really bad patch and I had, it was mostly in May, but it didn't really end there. It kept kind of rearing its head from time to time. And there was a period there where it just didn't seem to be connected to anything. And maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe I was just 
not feeling well. Who knows? Um, because I have changed medication recently, and it, that hasn't been awesome. It's been okay, but not definitely not awesome. And uh, so any number of things like that could be going on. But in July, I began what I called my biggest ever project, which was to try to clean out and organize my garage, which has not been nothing but a dumping ground and big storage room since the day I moved in. And I just, I got this bee in my bonnet and I wanted to, wanted to get all of the boxes unopened and emptied, especially the ones that the movers did because they said they'd come and come back and collect them when I did that. So I got them all away from the wall. I freed up a, I opened up a window for the first time since I moved in, light coming in. That was really good, but it didn't look like I'd done anything because the garage is still full of stuff. And I'd also moved a lot of stuff into my house so that I could have room to do things. And so my my whole house was a tip. And actually, most of it still is. My office, my bedroom, my guest bedroom all have stuff in them. Even the, the main bathroom has stuff in it. Although, to be fair, the stuff in the bathroom is there mainly because I was doing a Zoom thing with family during lockdown. And I wanted to have the um, what they could see behind me look tidier. <laughs> That's the actual reason that stuff's there. But um, yes, so this project, I set up some shelves to put on all the electronic bits and pieces that Nigel had, what he used to call his toys, so that they'd all be in one place. If a device had um, cables or remote controls or boxes or whatever, I could get everything together before figuring out what to do with it. I just, to me, it seemed the, the smartest thing to do was instead of trying to do it piecemeal, especially because things were separated from their other parts, was to just put it all in one place and then sort it. So I did. I set up some shelves. I put all of there on, put all the stuff on there. And all up, I think I found, among other things, about 12 different box, uh, what I call TV boxes. They're a device you, you plug into the internet and you plug into the TV so that the TV can stream um, streaming content. And Nigel tried several different ones over the years. I didn't realize it was that many. And by the way, that 11 or 12 doesn't count the two I'm still using that he left me. So <laughs> that was <laughs> was a kind of an interesting development. So I, I got all that done and I finally got another set of shelves set up where I could put other things that I was finding that I was going to be dealing with down the road. And all of that went really well. And I was really happy with the progress and all that. And then lockdown happened. The problem with that was that I couldn't, the movers couldn't come to take the boxes. I had some old um, whiteware I need to get rid of, like a, a, a dryer that's broken. And I couldn't get rid of that because I couldn't go there. They couldn't come here. So I was stuck. I couldn't do anymore. And so I just decided, well, I can't really do anything. So I'm going to take these two weeks and just treat it as sort of a, a holiday. And so I did. But among the other things that I found when I was working in the garage, I didn't find that much that was particularly personal for Nigel. But I did find some things that were uh, that belonged to his... Um, partner before me, Gary, who died uh, in 1993, roughly two years before we met in in real life for the first time. And we'd known each other for quite a while online. But when I arrived in New Zealand on September 12th, that was just shy of two years since Gary had died, which was actually something I didn't know specifically until I started going through things because I didn't know the date. And that was one of the things I found back in May, his death certificate. I found that back in May. But it was stuff that belonged to Gary, um, personal stuff like school records and photographs and 
And I thought, what am I going to do with this stuff? Because it felt wrong to just throw it in the rubbish because, um, well, he, he was important to Nigel. Nigel loved him and, he, and Gary loved Nigel. And it just seemed disrespectful to me to just throw it all away. And then I remembered that Ni in his last days, Nigel asked me to take all the letters that he and Gary had um, sent to each other when they were courting, basically, before Nigel moved to Australia, asked me to put them in the box with him so that um, they could be burned up with him. Except that at that time, <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. I had no idea where to look, but he already wasn't feeling well, and I didn't want to ask him where I'd find them, which in retrospect was probably a mistake. But anyway, so I did find some along the way, and I knew I was going to burn them anyway and then put the ashes aside so that eventually when I have um, Nigel's ashes interred somewhere, I'll have the, these letters um, uh, put mixed in with him. The, well, the ashes, the letters. And then that's when it occurred to me that the best thing I could do would be to take these things that belong to Gary and his you know, personal documents and stuff and burn them and then put the ashes in with my, my garden compost, which I will y use ultimately with ornamental plants. So in a sense, it's taking a death and turning it back into new life. And there is no one who would that I can find anywhere who would want any of the stuff from Gary his parents are both long gone. I don't know if he had any siblings. Certainly no one that he was in contact with. Nigel was never in contact with any of them. So if there is anybody, I certainly don't know about them, wouldn't know how to find them. So the smartest thing for me to do is to respectfully dispose of these things, to honor Gary for, for, um, for loving Nigel and for looking after Nigel and honoring their time together in a way that makes sense to me, partly because it's basically and an extension of what, what Nigel asked of me. So all of this was going on as well around the time that lockdown started. And I, I ha still haven't made much further progress in the garage since then, since lockdown. And um, I still have other projects I need to do outside and inside the house. Most of the things I've done have been pretty minor, really. Um, I put wheels on one, a drawer unit that, you know, the sort of thing that goes under your desk with file drawers and stationary drawers, one of them, because uh, the movers broke them, broke one of the wheels when they were, I think they put heavy stuff on it and may have even used it as a trolley, which is not the sort of thing you should do with <laughs> cheap plastic wheels. So I replaced all those wheels. And that's part of my effort to get my office organized, which brings me to what I want to do going forward in the future. And well, the short answer is I have no idea. <laughs> but that things have changed for me. They've shifted over the past month or so. Um, September, the from the end of August to the end of September, third week in September, August to third week of September, really, is a really bad time for me because Nigel's birthday is the toward the end of August, and then the anniversary of his death is towards the end of September. So there's a month there that is really hard on me. This year wasn't as hard as it was last year, not even by a long shot. And which is not to say that I was happy or anything, because I still got sad and I still cried and all those sorts of things. But I didn't feel miserable. The best word I can use to describe it is I was okay. And okay is good enough, more often than not. Okay is fine. I don't expect to be happy. I don't expect to be joyful or anything. But to be okay is fine. Okay is okay. And so that's what happened to me in recent weeks. So I started blogging more. Um, 
September was actually the first month that I hit my old goal of one blog post a day in ages. I don't know when the last time was, but it's certainly the, the most blog posts I've done in a month this year. And I don't know, going forward, I may or may not sustain that. I might hit another bad batch. That's always possible. But summer's coming up. In fact, there's a tree right in, out in front of my house on the street, which is leafing out finally, which makes me really happy because that means that summer is coming. And because of that, I think I might be more inclined to do more stuff, more podcasting, more blogging, and even maybe getting back into YouTube videos, which is my long-term goal. And uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to promise anything because I can't, I can't be sure I can deliver on those promises, as we've already found out because I, I recorded that that um, episode with Paul and never posted it. And, and I think it's probably way too old now because I was in a really bad patch then and I just couldn't do it, couldn't deal with it, couldn't deal with much of anything, to be honest. But, you know, one day at a time and things are definitely going better for me than they were when I last recorded even. And among the other things I'm doing is I'm starting to work on projects that are only about me. Um, I have this thing I call Ye old Macintosh Project or YOMP which is about a Mac Classic I bought, which doesn't work, and I need to open it up to see if it's repairable. And if not, it'll, it, it's a good machine. It's a pretty machine to me because it's, it's basically the same machine as I started out using Macintoshes, the same Macintosh I started using, just in different clothes, but it's essentially the same model. Way back when, when it was still relatively new, I was using that. So that's that's part of the, the sorts of things I'm doing. And it's about things that I want to do for me. And sometimes I let those distract me from things I need to need in quote marks to do for the house. But I don't care because I'm tired of all of my attention and energy going toward trying to deal with all this mountain of stuff that I have to deal with. And I want to do some stuff that makes me feel good and makes me feel happy. Because one of the, the main things about going through all this stuff that I noticed early on is that deciding to get rid of stuff that was Nigel's is in a sense like saying goodbye to him over and over and over and over again, which is what makes it so difficult emotionally. And the main way I've gotten through that consistently in all, the, all these months is that I try to put that out of my mind and I just try to think of it in cold clinical terms. Does this thing work? Is it usable by somebody else? Or does it have value that I could sell it? Or if it's clearly just rubbish, I throw it away or give it away if it's if it is reusable or whatever. The point is that I try to approach it as just stuff, which is actually, to be fair, what Nigel would have called it. He He would have said, it's just stuff. And it's true. But what makes it harder is because it was his stuff, stuff that he chose because he was interested in it or it meant something, not meant emotionally, but intellectually or whatever, it meant something to him because he wasn't sentimental about stuff really much at all. There's only very few things he kept for sentimental reasons. In fact, I think all of the things he ever kept for sentimental reasons would probably fit into a box, a small box at that probably. But it nevertheless is a process of having to close more and more chapters. And along those lines, one of the things I'm about to do is to go through his computer and remove any files, or copy, I should say, any files that I want off of his computer, 
move the stuff from his server that I want to keep onto my server, and then I can get rid of his computer and um, have do something with with his servers. The problem with his servers is that I don't have any of the logins. The only way I can get into them is through his computer, which is why I've kept it so long. But I need the space in my desk, and I want to do other things that that aren't pulling me back all the time, which is why I did the Mac project, why I'm doing the Mac project, I should say, and all of the other things, the podcasting, the blogging, and whatever else I end up doing. It's all about trying to create some space for me now. And I would say that overall, that's the biggest change of all. Well, that's enough updating for today. I will put lots of stuff in the links to lots of stuff in the show notes, uh, more about the stuff I've been talking about today. And I will be back when I'm back. I don't know when precisely. Might be next week. Might be tomorrow. Well, it won't be tomorrow. I can tell you that. But (laughs) at some point, I do intend on being back. And by some point, I mean sooner rather than later. But I won't know that for sure until that time comes. But thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Kakete ano. Bye. You can comment on this or any episode of the Amarin's Podcast at amarinspodcast.com, where you can also leave a voice message. You can visit and comment on the Amarin's Facebook page, or you can email me with or without a voice message at amarin's at gmail.com. This podcast is a proud member of the Pride 48 Network and is produced and distributed under Creative Commons license. Complete details at the website.